This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Can I carry those for you? Thanks. Hey, I saw you help the guy in the wheelchair with his groceries. Another way to show him your good side? Donate at Griffles Plasma, because he also relies on plasma-based medicines. Thanks again. Find a center at grifflesplasma.com. You can receive up to $800 this month. Hey, Fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in! Thank you for tuning back in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you check us out on bellyup.tv and catch us on demand on your TV devices when you download the Foxy Network app and look for the Belly Up Sports TV category and stay up to date with the show on the go when you download us on your favorite podcast app and please leave us a five star review as always i'm your host dan mater for this evening and i got my partner in crime my co-host mr christopher dowhower it's just the two of us today chris how's it going the nfl season is starting next week i mean can you get can we be closer i mean we it's, it's ridiculous what we've been waiting for since the draft i'm talking and talking and talking and now finally everybody's doing their drafts we're having our own drafts you're unveiling your rankings tonight or some of your tiers. So it's exciting. I'm excited for football. I'm excited for the draft and I'm excited for tonight's show. 
Yes, that's right. Round. Look, this time next week, we have football. Tonight's show is the last off-season show. It feels very, very weird to say that. We've had a lot of months of preparation for this moment, and I'm so excited that we're finally here and getting ready for real football talk. Tonight's show is the Cheat Sheet Special. So my rankings, I don't want to say they're completely up. To, they're pretty up to date, okay? Right now on BillionFantasySports.com, you go to download. They will be 100% up to date by tomorrow night. That I promise you, I will have them done before you head into your weekend, which will be the last big weekend for football drafts. You can download it for free, again, on BillionFantasySports.com. And we're going to show you some things about how, if you use our rankings, where you're going to be able to take advantage of the ADP and have things kind of split off into tiers. That's what we're going to be examining tonight. But I also want to talk quickly about what the schedule is going to be coming up. So this is the last offseason show, which means we'll go to five days a week. Now, not quite next week, though, because, I mean, we don't have any games on Sunday for me to recap. And frankly, I don't really see the point in doing a waiver wire episode before week one even starts. So we'll be picking up Wednesday of next week. And things are working a little bit differently this year. So I just want to go over that real quickly. Wednesday, and we used to do, you know, early Sunday matchups. And then Thursday was, you know, recap of the Thursday night game and then late su- and late Sunday primetime matchups is now just going to be split half and half. So we'll preview the first half of the week on Wednesday, and then we'll preview the second half of the week on Thursday night. Friday kind of stays the same. They're DFS. It's our betting with Chaz Florida most weeks. And then of course, Monday night will be the recap of the Sunday games. And then Tuesday night will be the recap of the primetime games, the Sunday night, the Monday night game and the waiver wire report. And you're going to see all these little special names that I came up with for each day of the week. So you guys will know. So I'm very excited about unveiling that to you. And we'll be looking forward to that. But next week, we won't be back till Wednesday, but we'll be Wednesday through Friday next week. And then we'll pick up Monday through Friday the following week for the rest of the season. Again, at 10 p.m. Eastern, live on YouTube, live on bellyup.tv. So just to make sure everyone's clear heading into the year. Very, very pumped for that. Now that we got that out of the way, Chris, let's go ahead and dive into the Chi Chi special. Starting off, of course, let's just get the quarterbacks out of the way. We got four different tiers going on here with the quarterbacks. I got my top tier. I got my second tier. I got a mid tier and I got a sleeper tier. So the top tier, Josh Allen, QB one. I don't think we have much to talk about there. I've tried to highlight at least one player from each tier. Go Go ahead. Just to clarify, Dan, I just want to make sure these are the, you're basically your starting tier. So this is your top starting tier player with Josh Allen's top starting tier quarterback, you know, second starting tier, Lamar Jackson, et cetera. So you're talking about the guys, you know, that you're going to have probably as your starting quarterbacks in your lineups and you're suggesting. Yeah. And the mid tier is going to be your starters too. The sleepers is where we'll talk about guys that may or may not be starters uh, based, based on that. And that kind of goes for all the positions that we're going to be talking about too, by the way. So, yeah, top tier, Josh Allen, number one. He's in a tier by himself. There is a separation between him and the rest of the group, no doubt about it. I'm still not advising drafting him in the top four rounds, which means I'm probably not going to get Josh Allen in most of my drafts, but that is where he is at. The second tier, it gets a little more interesting, and I, like I said, I want to highlight a player from each tier that we talk about, and the player that I want to highlight from the second tier is Lamar Jackson. Now, when we talk about Lamar Jackson right now, and I'm going to put that graphic up again real quick, 
His ADP is at QB4. I have him ranked at QB2. We've talked about that. I have him lumped in the same grouping with Kyler Murray and with Justin Herbert. And so he comes out as the best value because Herbert's the QB3. Well, I shouldn't say that. And Kyler Murray's a little bit lower at QB5 as far as his ADP goes. But Lamar Jackson's my QB2 overall. So he's the best value I have for that second tier you're looking for. And as the QB4 in ADP, you're talking about the possibility of him being there say the fifth, sixth round, I'm okay that Lamar Jackson's the earliest quarterback I'm okay with taking if he's there in your fifth, sixth round. And it's for a couple of different reasons. I mean, one being that I think of all the quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson has the best chance to usurp Josh Allen after two years in a row of being the QB one. Now, of course, the obvious is, you know, he has that rushing ability. Last year, he would have he would have been on pace for a third 1,000 rushing yard season had it not gotten cut short again. But last year, the reason why he wasn't quite at that level, even when he was playing, his touchdown rate was super low compared to the previous two years. It was 4.2. Last two previous years, 6.9. And in the year he was the MVP, it was 9%. Now, I'm not expecting to go up to 9%. But do I think it's going to get closer back to that 6.9 with him going back to the basics of the offense with Rashad Bateman getting worked in more as the wide receiver one who's actually more of a helpful red zone threat to be paired with Mark Andrews? You're not just going to be able to key on Mark Andrews when he get into the red zone. Do I think that'll make Lamar Jackson more efficient? Yeah, I absolutely do. So when I look at Lamar Jackson, he's the guy in that second tier. I will look to draft him. Around the sixth round, that's the earliest I'm looking to draft a quarterback, but I think he's got the real shot there to be the number one overall. What do you think about Lamar Jackson or that tier in general? Yeah, I totally agree with you. My own personal tier board, I actually don't have Josh Allen separated from Lamar Jackson. I actually have those top two together because I think Lamar Jackson is a cheat code, as you kind of alluded to. One of the few quarterbacks who's going to continue to use his legs. You see a lot of the guys kind of reducing their rushing attempts, including Josh Allen. And you saw Kyle Murray as well as those guys kind of reduced his rushing attempts last year. Lamar isn't, you know, kind of scaling it back. He talked about the passing rate. It was kind of, you know, abnormally low for touchdown rate last year. So we expect, you know, that to increase. And then the biggest thing I think that's going to, you know, improve for Lamar Jackson is that offensive line was atrocious last year. Man was constantly under pressure, was constantly getting smacked around. When you have an improved offensive line, and at some point this season, maybe it's not right off the bat, but you're going to get J.K. Dobbins. It's not a 95-year-old running back next to Lamar Jackson. I think all those things can actually, you know, add up. That's going to be back eventually, too. Exactly. So I just think those things, you know, kind of looking at what he was doing last year, there's a lot of things that actually can boom and increase and improve from last year. And you see that on paper and you also see that kind of the offseason. So I'm excited for Lamar Jackson. And I think you're, you, know, you hit the nail on the head. It's outstanding value right now. Look, his efficiency was down across the board and yet he was still the QB six weeks one through 11. So if that's his floor... I think that's kind of what I'm trying to point out there with that tier. Let's move into some of our other tiers, though. Let's talk about the mid-tier of the quarterbacks. And the guy I want to highlight from the mid-tier, well, there's two guys I actually want to highlight. First is Patrick Mahomes, because his ADP is going at QB2. I have him at a mid-tier. I don't have him in the top tier. I don't have him in the second tier. I am pleading with everybody. I'm pleading with MD Nation. He's a mistake to take at the QB2, because that suggests you may be drafting him in that top, three, four round area. And look, last year, last year, he's QB five. You take away Tyree kill. You're still trying to figure out how that receiver group is going to come together. Defenses have a blueprint. Let's see if they are able to adjust this year, Andy Reed, but it's still, it was something left to be desired at one point for a stretch of like four games last season. And again, they lose Tyree kill. So 
I just don't see why you would take the chance. You're drafting him at his absolute ceiling. If I'm taking him, I got him on my QB5. He's in that mid-tier again for me. I don't have much of a difference between him, a Tom Brady, a Jalen Hurts, a Russell Wilson, or even on the lower end, a Dak Prescott. So, Chris, where are you at on Patrick Mahomes? Am I being too low on him? But that that's where I think you can find the value, and that's what this tier thing is all about. Yeah, I can absolutely understand your concerns, and I disagree that you, you don't want to reach too high on Patrick Mahomes. So if he's your number two quarterback on the board and you're taking him in the sixth round, that is too high. Having said that, you know, this guy has been one of the more consistent quarterbacks no matter what he kind of has out there, despite this kind of, you know, the blueprint to beat their offense last year and Tyreek Hill being, you know, not himself last year, the offense in general not being itself. He, he alluded to he still finished sixth, kind of got back on track with using people like Byron Pringle, you know, for God's sakes, figuring out ways to kind of manufacture yards. So they did kind of, you know, have a whole offseason to prepare for this. Patrick Mahomes is a thrower by nature. The offense, he, you know, was in Texas Tech. You couldn't name any receivers, you know, from the pros. He just basically spread the ball around. I think that's going to continue to happen. So I think he has one of the safer floors, but I understand the ceiling might be a little more limited without having a Tyreek Hill, of course. And I think that I have him kind of in that second tier. Uh, I also Brady in that second tier. But I think they're guys, you know, kind of splitting hairs a little bit where you might have them just a little bit lower than I do. I just think they kind of belong in the same conversation with Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray. But who would you rather have? I mean, you, you can get Patrick Mahomes at QB2, or you can get Tom Brady, whose ADP is at QB8 right now. I got up at QB6. I'm talking, we're talking well, value. 100%, yeah, 100% agree with you. Now, when it comes to value, Tom Brady's is ridiculously valuable. I mean, the man's finished top five the last two years, and it's like every, every year everybody's writing him off because he throws the ball. Justin Herbert doesn't run the ball a lot, guys. So let's just get it, you know, let's kind of start addressing some narratives. If you're looking for an offense that's going to score lots of points, your number four receiver right now is Julio Jones. I think Tom Brady's got a good chance of probably finishing top five again. And as you alluded to, when you can get him probably ninth, tenth round right now, that that value is outstanding. So that's why, you know, I definitely encourage you, as you pointed out, don't reach on any of these quarterbacks, even Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or whoever you do like. Just make sure you're kind of looking for the best value because there's a couple different guys I think can, you know, be arguably on the top tier guys. And there's one more guy I wanted to highlight from that mid-tier quarterback group. And that's, I want to highlight Russell Wilson. Because his ADP is going at QB 11 right now. I have him inside of that. I have him at QB 9. And I think I actually might be too low on him. When you look at Russell Wilson, take out last year. Take take out the thumb injury and the disarray that that entire team was under. Just take it out completely and put it out of your mind. When you look at Russell Wilson, 2020, he was a QB 6. 2019, he was a QB 4. Now he's going to a situation where he has just as many, if not even better weapons, arguably speaking, all the Denver Broncos. And all this talk about, well, he's going to throw the ball more. or Taylor making the offense to him. Whether or not that happens, and I, I lean towards it, it will be definitely more Russell Wilson friendly than it was in Seattle. You're talking about a quarterback who is hovering around that top five area when he has the weapons and when he's healthy. And you're taking him at QB 11 right now. My rankings would tell you to take him higher than that, jump in front of the ADP. And I think you're getting a value for a guy who might give you similar production to a Patrick Mahomes, to a Tom Brady, to a Jalen Hurts that is pushed down a little bit because of recency bias from last year. Yeah, you hit the nail right in the head. I mean, I think Russell Wilson gets forgotten about a guy that, you know, let Russ Cook was always kind of the motto. The only concern you really have for Russell Wilson is the consistency. A lot of times he starts off or ends really well. It's just kind of in between. There's sometimes you have this fall off in between that, you know, the deep ball is not hitting, so to speak. But what he does have is he has legs, and that provides a little bit of safe floor. He's not going to run for 100 yards, but he's going to run for 30, 40 yards here and there, which gives you a nice safe floor as you kind of, you know, you talk about when we talk about running backs, running quarterbacks, I should say. But Russ also has the upside 
I think this is going to be a very rust-friendly offense. Everything I'm hearing out of camp is, is that, that you know he's comfortable. He has nothing but input on us offense. He just got locked up in the long term. He gave that he gave the Broncos he's a discount talented. in a sense. Um, but he also gave them a discount in a sense where he didn't take as much guarantee money as he probably could expect to you know get want or could ask for. Um, and I think part of that is because he's comfortable where he is right now. And I think they make him feel like he is a priority. And look what Aaron Rodgers did in you know, Green Bay last two years, MVP. So I think that when it, Russell Wilson, I'm not a you know, huge Nathaniel Hackett fan, but I do think when you kind of build around the quarterbacks that are you know, great, you can't go wrong necessarily. So this is going to be an offense that's definitely going to be Russ-friendly. And I agree with you. The value right there is just basically people are forgetting about them. They shouldn't be. No, especially now with those weapons upcoming, guys. So look out for Russell Wilson. He's the value in that mid-tier that we're talking about. So let's let's talk about the sleeper tier that we have here a, a little bit. Now, some of these guys we talked about. Like we talked about Ryan Tannehill. We've talked about Kirk Cousins. We've mentioned Jameis Winston. We haven't talked about him too much. Uh, but the guy I do want to highlight here is Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins one more time because they're sitting there just, just outside the QB 12. Like Their ADP is at QB 13 for Kirk Cousins, QB 14 for Derek Carr. And these are two guys that really have the potential to be top 12 guys. Kirk Cousins, because of the coaching change, of course, the weapons have always been there. It just should be a more efficient, more pass-friendly offense. I don't want to say more pass-happy because they had a lot of volume last season. I think it'll be more pass-friendly in terms of it'll be much more efficient. And then Derek Carr, who was knocking on the door last year, with uh, banged up Darren Waller, a Hunter Renfro, and nothing really else gets Devontae Adams added into the mix. Oh, and by the way, Darren Waller, and we'll talk about him a little bit later, but he's looking like that hamstring injury wasn't wasn't really a hamstring injury, wink, wink, after all, with the contract situation. Now he's back in practice. So if he's going to have a healthy Waller and healthy Adams and a healthy Hunter Renfro and a Josh McDaniels now as a head coach, he should be knocking on the door too. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. He's been a QB 13 the last two years. So what's to stop him from finally getting over that hurdle into the top 12? And when you're looking at sleeper quarterbacks, you're talking about double-digit quarterbacks. Once you get outside the top 12 guys, you're talking about double-digit rounds for these guys. So they're going to get tremendous value. If you wait at quarterback position, there's no reason why you can't walk away with either a Derek Carr or a Kirk Cousins. But what's your thoughts on Carr first? Yeah, Derek Carr kind of struggled with. I agree with you. He's been consistently you know, in top 13. Is a guy that's always kind of just you know, threatening that top-tier Always has top tier starter opportunity, but he never quite hits it. And he's had weapons in the past. He's had different coaches. He's had past, more pass happy systems. He's been in. He's had more run oriented systems. He's had a plethora of different options um, between you know from Crabtree days early on in his career where he had Crabtree and Cooper to you know more late recently where he had different receivers that he was using to Darren Waller. Now 
I like what he has with Devontae Adams. It's probably the best weapons he's had around him. But can he become a guy who's more efficient in the red zone? And that seems to be his bugaboo. The guy can throw for 300 yards with the best of them. It's can you score touchdowns and are you going to set up for field goals? And I haven't really seen Derek Carr necessarily turn that corner. And I was concerned with Josh McDaniels with that. I haven't really seen the Patriots be super you know, efficient. They're passing attack inside the red zone for a couple years now. So those, those things kind of have me a little more limited on Derek Carr, where I do think there's an upside there. I do love the value, as you alluded to, guys you can get double-digit double, double digits, um, rounds where you know these guys could be definitely, at worst, mid-tier starters. But I have a little bit of trepidation that I haven't quite, you know, can't quite anoint Derek Carr as a Hall of Famer uh, yet, or that he's going to kind of make this giant leap yet, because I do you know have them seen this kind of show, so to speak, before. Not quite the same way, but a little bit. When it comes to, um, you know, Kirk Cousins, this one's just mind-boggling to me. Now, Kirk Cousins, for, I, I believe, for at least the last three years, has been a top-12 quarterback. Last and two years, QB of, 11. Yeah, so, and we, you know, kind of talked about Mike Zimmer moving on, a more, you know, pass-happy, friendly offense, possibly more consistent, more efficient. We saw Matthew Stafford finish top five. All offseason, I heard nothing about how Justin Jefferson is going to, you know, threaten Cooper Cup's reign for number one. Dalvin Cook's going to catch the ball. Adam Thielen's double-digit touchdown scoring machine. KJ Osborne might you know, bust out. Irv Smith even might bust out. So if all these guys are going to be productive, how's Kirk Cousins not being talked about as a top-tier quarterback this year when he's been threatening to do so for the last couple of years despite all the things that have been holding him back? Now he has a system that basically shows you you can produce these kind of numbers. Why can't Kirk Cousins be one of those guys throwing for 5,000 yards and threaten for 30 to 40 touchdown passes? So I think he's the one that next lot that I'm really excited about. Well, and there's two things I want to add here. One for Derek Carr, the caveat to them having issues in the red zone. I present to you the best receiver in the red zone over the past three years. So yeah, that helps him out there. And then with Kirk Cousins, yeah, look, I'll throw you in. Guess what? What division they play in? Is there any defenses we care about? Chicago, Detroit, especially Green Bay. We have some questions about when you get into their secondary outside of Jared Alexander. What are they really? So, yeah, there's a lot of things lining up for this team, especially for these two quarterbacks in that sleeper tier. Again, you should be getting in the double-digit rounds. You're waiting on quarterback. Look their way. I do want to jump into the running backs now, though, so let's do that. Top tier has been the three guys we've been talking about all year. We are a little bit different on them, though. At least I am. So, uh, I got CMC at number one. I can go back and forth with some people between him and Jonathan Taylor. But where I'm different at is I have Derrick Henry ahead of Jonathan Taylor at number two when his ADP for half-point PPR. And I should I should say that this is all based on half-point PPR rankings. This is, what, this is what we do. I have him at number two. So in that top tier, I got Derrick Henry. I, I'm pretty much saying to you guys, look. If you have a top three pick, don't be afraid to take Derrick Henry. He was up 80 points over the RB2 for the first week, eight weeks of the season last year. And that was in full point PPR for a guy who doesn't catch the ball that often. Now, look, you, I, have some, I do have some concerns about the interior offensive line getting a little bit worse. But ultimately, the volume with Derrick Henry really trumps anything I'd be worried about as far as an overall productive standpoint. The real thing comes into, we've talked about this a little bit, I do think Naeem Hines is going to be a real thing this season, and that's going to take away some of the targets that boosted John Taylor's value from last year, and that's why I have him slid down to number three, because I am not going to get swept away in the injury worriness of a CMC and a Derrick Henry with 
especially with, you know, when we talked to Brian Scott and some other medical people, no one seems to be worried about Derrick Henry's injury as far as re-injury this year. CMC a little bit more so, but he's had a different regimen. He's looking like he's going to be in good shape. I'm willing to roll the dice for at least one more year on CMC. So my value, though, that I want to highlight, of course, is Derrick Henry. Just was absolutely phenomenal. And again, to go back to the Jonathan Taylor point real quick, Naeem Hines was a top 20 running back in 2020 when they had Philip Rivers at the quarterback situation. Kind of similar to what's going on here with Matt Ryan. So where are you at, Chris? Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think Jonathan Taylor is a guy that, you know, was very efficient last year and can do so again, but he's just not going to have the volume. His coaching staff's been basically putting that in your ear all offseason. Frank Reich is notoriously doesn't usually have a workhorse back. So, the, you know, the question marks are definitely there, and particularly when it comes to the red zone usage. Will they kind of, just, you know, feed him and kind of hide the quarterback? Everything we're hearing, probably not. Matt Ryan's going to get a chance to kind of throw it more than Carson Wentz did in that area and has more weapons to do so as well. So you're, you might see kind of a movement away from the rushing attack and more, you know, focus on the passing attack in Indianapolis. So I agree with the Jonathan Taylor thing. Derrick Henry, you know, you talked about the first eight weeks, he was 80 points up. It took till I think, believe, week 12 till he got surpassed as the leading score at the running back yeah. position. So that's how that's how much of a lead this man had that he was basically not even playing for three or four weeks and was still you know the leader. So I agree with you. When it comes to volume, very few guys are guaranteed to get 20, 25 touches. This is one of the few guys, even the guys who can catch the ball, run the ball, even those guys rarely get 20, 25 touches week in, week out. Derrick Henry does, period. So right. that's where you do have a lot of value. You're going to have the consistency. You expect the Tennessee's going to move the ball. They play in top of visions. You know, play in a crappy division where they're going to have some games where they can definitely run the ball more often. I do have concerns with the offensive line. I do have some questions about the efficiency overall for this team. But I think they're kind of one of the safer guys, so that's why I don't have a problem taking, taking him second. As for CMC, you know, people might have issues with him last year being burned. I had had it last year. I got burned. But you know what? Even when he was barely playing for those one or two games that you had him, you felt great having him in your lineup and you had no concerns of who you're playing against. And I think that's where you have, you know, the value of a Christian McCaffrey, where no matter what happens on what the game flow is and what the, you know, who they're playing, you can't take this man away. So as long as he's healthy and he's not having injuries that are things that are, you know, uh, consistent, like it's like, you know, ongoing knee issue, it's deteriorating or a hip issue. Like we saw Todd Gurley before. This is right. something that's kind of random things are kind of happening with this guy. And if anything, of all his usage previous, the last two years kind of not really being used, this guy's only 26 years old. Might actually kind of make me more fresh. I'm excited for Christian McCaffrey this year. I agree. So let's get into the mid tier because that's, I'm sorry, the second tier. I want to go to the second tier first. That's where things get a little bit more interesting, especially compared to my ranking. So the second tier, it includes Dalvin Cook, it includes Najee Harris, it includes Austin Eckler. There's really nothing out of the norm there. I have it shuffled around a little bit differently from the ADP. Like I have Cook ahead of Eckler. I also have Harris ahead of Eckler. By the way, I will say this real quickly. Everyone seems to be kind of like panicking as far as like the Liz Fromp sprain. Every single medical professional that I have talked to and or listened to, no one's concerned. No one's concerned about it being a sprain. No one's concerned about this lingering all season. So stop hearing. Do you just hear Liz Fromp and panic? Stop doing that, please. So I just want to put that out there real quickly. But the guy from the second tier that I want to highlight is actually Alvin Kamara because I have Kamara right there with those four guys, with Dalvin Cook, with Najee Harris, and with Austin Eckler mixed right in. And his ADP is still at RB12. Now, I do think some of that has to do with that. It's still catching up from the summer, not people not knowing what's going on. And to some degree, 
you know, I can't say there's a non-zero chance he doesn't get suspended this season, but it's looking less and less likely to the point where I am comfortable taking Alvin Kamara as high, as high as my RB6, but especially in that mixture. And more what I'm looking at is that if you're in that middle of the first round and you're trying to decide between a wide receiver and one of those running backs right there, I'm trying to tell you, maybe think about going the wide receiver because Kamara might be there for you in the second round with the way things are going. And I just kind of want to point this out about Kamara. He's a year removed or two years removed, excuse me, from being the RB one last year was a down year for him because he wasn't as involved in the passing game and he was still the RB eight overall. So I'm not worried about Alvin Kamara's production or not having Drew Brees because I think it can only go up from the usage that we saw a season ago, frankly. So and that's why I'm ultimately not worried about it. So if his floors are B8 and all reports are, and he looked pretty good in that preseason game too, and all reports are on Kamara looks great, I'm pushing him up into that tier. And I'm telling you, keep that in consideration. Keep that in the back of your mind if you're trying to decide between those guys when you come to your first round of your drafts. Yeah, I mean, for me, we I'm a, I'm a huge Alvin Kamara fan. I always have him as a guy that I usually have in my top five. And this year, the only reason you could knock the guy was basically, was he going to get suspended? Now, that seems to be not the issue. I don't understand, you know, I guess last year being held against him because he was very inefficient. He only averaged 3.7 yards per carry. A lot of running backs were inefficient last year. Look at the numbers overall. But also, they were playing with basically a high school offense last year. I mean, the guy was the only thing you had a game plan against. They are having, you know, backup, backup quarterbacks play. They were having fifth-string receivers out there. It was a shit show overall in New Orleans offensively. Alvin Kamara now with James Winston, the guy who does check the ball down his running backs, don't get it twisted, has multiple weapons that could take your attention. A Chris Olave could you know pull guys out, pull the safety's attention. You have a Michael Thomas coming back, which is gigantic. Jarvis Landry in the middle. Now Alvin Kamara running those option routes. Now Alvin Kamara running those running route, you know, running plays. Suddenly the explosiveness in the big plays can return because you're not having nine, ten guys in a box and you're just running right into it. So I'm excited for him, and I think that people kind of wrote this guy off and they're going to regret that. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's one of those things where I do think the ADP to some degree is catching up because of all the off season stuff. But uh, right now in drafts, he's still lingering down there because of that. So just kind of keep that in mind. Uh, let's move into our mid tier area. And look, there's a bunch of guys that I have grouped in this mid tier. I got seven running backs in this mid tier. This is like your, Second round, your your R your high end RB two who has RB one potential kind of territory, and I got Cam Akers in that tier. I got Javante Williams, I got Saquon Barkley, I got David Montgomery, I got Nick Chubb, Ezekiel Elliott, and DeAndre Swift all meshed into that tier. And as you know, you know if you've been doing any kind of mock drafts. Swift's going way higher than when I have him ranked. I think people are just completely discounting the fact that he's still in a committee, still in a bad offense, and there might be spraying the ball out. If he just loses a target or two, he's going to lose some value. And I love DeAndre Swift. I love the player, but there's some things to be concerned about there. And then I go all the way up to Cam Akers, whose ADP is at RB19 right now. And it's all because we're, you're worried about his Achilles injury, which fine coming off how explosive are you? I think that's a legitimate question, but I think the real reason why people are much lower on him is because people are buying into this rhetoric from McVay that he's actually going to split time in Henderson. He's never done it folks. No matter what the running back situation has been, McVay has shown time and time again. If he's got one guy to ride, he's riding that one guy. So I don't buy it at all, but that's not who I want to highlight in this tier. 
I wanted to highlight David Montgomery in this tier. That's why I want to spend our time focusing and talking about because people are hating David Montgomery right now. I've heard across the industry, people in the public, everyone seems like they just want to take a chunk out of David Montgomery. And it doesn't make any sense to me. You have everyone talking about like, oh, it's a different coaching regime. So maybe it's Cleo Herbert time. Oh, oh, except for Cleo Herbert can't pass protect. And I can't, I cannot tell you how much it drives me over a wall to hear this rhetoric about Khalil Herbert might be a better fit for the system. When you hear people talk about he might be a better fit for the system, what they're referring to is the zone blocking scheme system from the Packers because Luke Getzey's now the offensive coordinator. He was the he was the quarterbacks coach there for them under Mulfour. David Montgomery ran zone scheme in college. So I don't know where this whole notion of like, he doesn't fit this system. That doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, and by the way, he's the best pass catcher that they have in the backfield and the best pass protector. Oh, and by the way, the last preseason game, they played 22 snaps. I believe it was the first team. And he was out there. David Montgomery was out there for every single one. Herbert didn't come in until the second team came in. I, this whole like regime might not stick with David Montgomery as a starter is ridiculous in my mind. It has no merit whatsoever and it's blasphemous. And then everyone wants to discount the fact that Montgomery's been great when he gets the workload and he's in position to get the workload again. 2020, he was the top five running back. He finished the RB4. Last year, when he's going back and forth with Herbert because he, he got hurt for a stretch of about four games, weeks one through six, RB10. Comes back, takes his job right back, by the way. As good as Herbert was, he still took his full job back. Weeks 9 through 18, RB11. I got him at the RB12. Am I a little bit worried about being a little too high on him? Maybe. And that has more. To, that doesn't have anything to do with David Montgomery. That has to do with the offensive line and the offense probably still not being very good yet. And there's a floor that can possibly come with that. But Montgomery has proven time and time again, if he's the one getting the work, and I believe that he is, He's a top 12 running back, and that's the guy in the value of that mid-tier right now, and he's going all over the place. But like I said, ADP-wise, right now, RB17, I think he's a steal there. Yeah, I mean, look, I have a little bit of concern with the Khalil Herbert usage. I agree with you. He's not going to steal his job, but I wouldn't be surprised his coaching staffs have, you know, have a history of using multiple running backs. So I do think Herbert will have a role. But I don't think it's going to be enough for David Montgomery, as you're kind of alluding to, not to be a guy who could be still be finishing the top 15. This offense is going to be built around the running attack. They're going to be built around just Josh Fields and RPO action. David Montgomery, the one thing that they have a little bit is they have some girth inside. They add, you know, added Leatherwood. They have Jenkins. They moved him inside. They're talking about other guys who've been talking about having Assembly come in. So there's different, you know, commitment to try to be make sure they can get some kind of push. Um, usually a mobile quarterback is going to allow for running attack pretty, you know, pretty successful. And then he also catches the ball out of the backfield. So you talked about him being out there for, you know, not only pass protection, but he's a better pass catcher than Khalil Herbert is. Khalil Herbert's a, a good guy. He's a quick guy. He can make things, you know, happen, but he's not necessarily a guy who's, who's going to be your kind of your security blanket out of the backfield. David Montgomery showed you that last year where he was kind of that guy when, especially when, you know, long situ- situations where the first read taken away, they kind of went down the second run, the, the running back. So, I think he has one of the safer floors there when it comes to usage. Talk about this division where there's not a lot of great run defenses on paper right now either. So I think Evan Montgomery is a safer guy. I know people are kind of down on him. I think this it's the industry just wanted to hate on him because two years ago they thought they were, you know wanted to write him off, and then he had a great year, so they had to be quiet. So this year now they're looking for another reason to kind of have ammunition against him. But I think you know David Montgomery is definitely a guy that you're not going to be wishing you didn't have on your line, your roster this year. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike, and we're Team Ready. 
Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. It, it, it just, it's, it's mind blowing the disrespect that he gets. And then let's head into our sleeper tier before we head into the break. And that is a mixture of a few guys on this. I don't have everybody actually on this graphic. It looks like, but Melvin Gordon, Raheem Mostert, I got Damian Pierce in that grouping, Tyler Algier, Darrell Henderson is somebody who he still has a really great value. I think as a high end handcuff and he might mix in earlier in the season. And then Mike Davis is like my deep, deep sleeper. We're like, if you find yourself, you know, zero RB or a little bit lighter running back, or you need somebody to hold down the fourth beginning of the season, Mike Davis is going to have some value early on. But the guy that I, I think we have to talk about is Damian Pierce because he's just rising up boards. Like I said, his ADP is at RB 38 right now. I got him ranked at RB 42. There's a lot of people in the industry who are expert consensus rankers with me on fantasy pros who are ranking him in the top 20 or top 24. And I'm just, I'm just flabbergasted by that notion. Yes. He's going to be the starter. He's going to be the, the first running back for the Houston Texans. And yes, of course there's value when the starting running back. I'm not disputing that. This is still a really bad team, a really bad offense, a really bad offensive line. And he's still going to be splitting time to some degree with Rex Burkett, especially when it comes to the passing game. Pierce is not good in pass protection. What do I say about every year, MD Nation, if you've been with this show at all, every single year I bring this up. When it comes to rookie running backs, if they're not good in pass protection, simmer down how much playing time they're going to get, especially when it comes to passing situations, two-minute drills, third and logs, coming back from behind the second half, which Houston's going to be doing a heck of a lot of. And Marlon Mack, yes, he's on the practice squad, but they can still bring him on whenever they need him. And again, he's going to split time with Rex Burkhead. There is a ceiling here to Damian Pierce, and people are acting like there's not, and I'm not really sure why, and that's why I have him ranked at RB42 right now. I might move him up a little bit higher from that, but not much, especially because I don't like his upside in that situation. Well, you added, you know, one thing that wasn't mentioned on your dislike for Damian Pierce and people need to be, you know, cognizant of, the guy never had one of the 150 carries in his career. So you're drafting, a, you're drafting a guy that you have no clue whether he can last an entire season or could be a workhorse back because you saw him do well in a couple of preseason games and you liked what he saw. He's big and he's fast. Yes, he might be a great runner. He might be really you know physical and he'll be very effective while he's out there. But as I keep saying, you haven't seen any track record from this guy to be banking on he's going to be a, a bell cow back for you to be resting the draft capital in the top 20s at that. So, yeah, I 100% agree with you, Dan. I don't mean I have as low as 40s, but I, I definitely don't have him in the 20s. I think people need to get realistic, especially when it comes to the Texans offense. That's one of the guys I still haven't quite updated after they made the Marlon Mack move. So that's why I think I probably will be bringing him up. He'll probably be at least inside my top 36, but he's not going to crack my top 30. I can tell you that much right off the bat. I was fine with Damian Pierce when people had him going in that as that last tier drop off starting running back somewhere in that seventh, eighth round. I was fine with it there. But if you're going to start ranking him and drafting him like he's a top 20 running back, we're talking about first five rounds. 
no, empty nation, say it with me. Let someone else make that mistake. Because I'm telling you right now, the offense is not set up well enough for a guy like Damian Pierce, who's not going to be that involved in the passing game, to be able to have that kind of value. So it's just out of control. On that note, we do need to hit a break because we're way over the break. When we come back on the other side, we got wide receivers and tight ends. The tiers to talk about, more cheat sheet stuff. Remember, BillionFantasySports.com. Download those rankings, help you out as a tool for your drafts. But we'll be back right after this. Support for today's episode comes from True Classic. This brand new sponsor has the absolute best fitting t-shirts a man can buy. Finding the right t-shirt with a little bit of a dad bod is incredibly frustrating. Most t-shirts are either too tight on your gut or look way too big and boxy. You're not in high school anymore and it's time to upgrade. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men finally get a better fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 20% off with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. True Classic doesn't just stop at tees. They are your one-stop shop for men's essentials. Super easy and simple to fill out your wardrobe. From polos and workout shirts with the same flattering fit to boxer briefs designed with a pouch to keep your bulge nice and comfortable. All their gear is top-notch quality at reasonable prices. It's about time you learn how to dress yourself properly. Upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100 and 100% risk-free guarantee with a 30-day return policy. Stay classy with True Classic. Your dad bod will thank you. Welcome back into the show. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show coming to you live on YouTube and, of course, on bellyup.tv. If you ever miss an episode, catch us on demand on your favorite TV device when you download the Foxy Network app and look for the Belly Up Sports TV category and stay up to date with us on the go when you download us on your favorite podcast app and give us a five-star review. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with my co-host, Mr. Christopher Dowhauer. Chris, we're talking about our cheat sheet special. We just went through the quarterbacks and the running backs in the first half of the show it's time to get into these wide receivers of where we have these guys grouped at. And by using my rankings on BillionFantasySports.com, which you can download for free and use them as a tool for your drafts for the last draft weekend before football season starts. We're just telling you where you can find the value at and some potholes to avoid along the way. So let's jump yeah, in. Real- Go ahead. I was going to say real quick, I know we're running a little close to time, but Running backs position, one of the positions you, you know, one of the guys you didn't have on your list, and I was curious to see what your take is, is Cordell Patterson. I think this is a guy that's kind of been forgotten about as well. I think they could be a nice sleeper for a lot of people, especially talked about different strategies, not reaching on running backs necessarily. Cordell Patterson to me might be a guy that kind of keep in mind as well. What, how about your thoughts? 
it's a good honorable mention. The reason he didn't make my list because he's in between that sleeper tier and that mid tier for me. He's like right. He's like he's in that third tier, I guess you could say. He's right in that mix. But I will say I am about. I think I'm a healthy at least ten spots higher on him than the ADP or even the ECR rankings are because I got him at RB twenty four. I I again Tyler Algier. I do like him. We'll see exactly when he's able to take over. Right now, Damian Williams is still ahead of him on the depth chart. We'll, we'll see how that actually winds up working out. But I do know Cordell Patterson's role ain't going anywhere. And as long as he's going to be getting 15 touches with the catches that he's going to be getting in place of that, I don't see that changing. I like Cordell Patterson. I don't know why people think he's just going to fall off. I will, I will bring this note up because this has been talked about a lot throughout the industry, and I have a problem with this too. One of the big reasons people keep writing off Cordell Patterson is like, oh, well, he fell off. He wore out towards the end of the season. And uh, Chris, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I remember Cordell Patterson getting a mid to high ankle sprain that he was supposed to miss time on and came back really fast, really early. I think he only missed one game. And yeah, wasn't 100% the rest of the season. I don't know how much that's wearing out as it is like you're just playing on an injury that you probably shouldn't have been playing on because you were trying to compete with your team. Yeah, I mean, this is something that happens a lot, especially the running back position, it seems like people just seem to hold against them what they did. They weren't explosive last year or they fell off towards the end of the season. Well, nine out of ten times as you look back, what happened was they were injured. And Cordell Patterson absolutely had a high ankle sprain supposed to miss the game, somehow miraculously played, got you one last game of production, and then he kind of fell off because basically his leg was falling off of him. So, yeah, Cordell Patterson wasn't the same towards the end of the season. It wasn't because he got tired. It wasn't because he got wore out. It's because he actually got hurt and was running on one leg. So that might be a, a problem. Yeah, it's like no one's talking about that. And look, with Patterson, are we, we're talking about a guy that we're hoping gets 200 opportunities. He's not going to get 200 carries, but should get 200 opportunities from carries. The target's mixed up. Uh, Chris, I think you, you might be frozen there. I don't know if you can hear me or not, but we do need to move on to the wide receiver tier. So just start talking if uh, if you can. Uh, look, the wide receiver tier, my top tier. I got a grouping of a top tier here. I got a top five. All right. I got Justin Jefferson. Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, and Jamar Chase all in that group in that top tier. I don't have a lot of separation. Cooper Cup's going to see some regression. It's going to happen. That's what happens when you have a record-breaking year. You're going to see some some regression right there. And I'm going <laughs> to remove Chris because it's a hell of a... If you're not watching, if you're on the podcast, Chris's face, his mouth is like frozen wide open right now. It's hilarious. Um, but yeah, so just, just getting back into it. Cooper Cup, obviously, he's going to see some regression. That's why Justin Jefferson's my number one guy. But the guy that I want to highlight in the top tier is Stephon Diggs. Now, Diggs, ADP-wise, he's actually usually the fifth receiver of this five, you know, group of five that I put out here. And Diggs is my receiver three. He's the guy in this top tier who I think has the most value. And just, just to highlight him here a little bit, uh, he's just one year removed from being a top three wide receiver, first and foremost. Last year's wide receiver seven. That didn't have anything to do with his volume changing. His efficiency changed a little bit. He went from 166 targets to 164 last year. The big difference was he went from 127 catches to 103. But if your floor in that offense is we're talking 100 receptions and over 1,200 yards, then I'm ta- he's a guy who I think might get better this season. The big reason why is Gabriel Davis. Remember, last year, 
he had a slow start to the year, and that was mostly because defenses were filing a position where they could kind of limit his productivity, limit his efficiency to some degree, because you weren't worried about Emmanuel Sanders. They didn't really have Cole Beasley to be able to lie back on. And you're kind of throwing, you know, cloak and daggers out there. I don't know why they weren't ready to give Gabriel Davis a shot earlier on in the season, but they weren't there yet. So we had to deal with the fact that, you know, Stephon Diggs was a guy who was getting double teamed constantly. Well, Gabriel Davis has arrived. And I think as a result of that, Stephon Diggs is going to have a lot of lot more man-on-man coverage, a lot more or a lot more cover one coverage and less attention on him. And that's going to make him more efficient, get back up to where he was. And I don't think his targets take much of a hit with Gabriel Davis there. But I do want to try to get Chris back in here. Chris, you good, you good now? Yeah, the internet demons hate me, so that seems to be my issue. But I, I hope, <laughs> I'll come back right now. All right, well, we, we, I, we're crunched for time, so I do want to move on to the mid-tier now that we have you back. So in the mid-tier, I got a, I got a big group of guys. It's a group of like nine guys in that mid-tier, and when I'm talking about the mid-tier, I'm talking about these high-level wide receiver twos that have wide receiver one upside given their situations. And I'm talking about guys like Cortland Sutton, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, T. Higgins, Gabriel Davis, who I just mentioned, Deontay Johnson, D.J. Moore, Michael Pittman, and Chris Godwin. There's three guys. Yes, I, there's three guys from that mid-tier that I want to highlight. So I want to highlight Cortland Sutton. I want to highlight Gabriel Davis. And I want to highlight Chris Godwin. I'll highlight Gabriel Davis real quick because I was just talking about him a little bit. He's finally going to get the opportunities in that offense as the wide receiver two. And he has had, since he's entered the league, in the few opportunities he's had, a huge touchdown rate. And I'm not talking about playoffs here. I'm just talking about the regular season. He's got over a 10% touchdown rate and as we saw in the playoffs it's, it's it's even higher than that and now you're going to mix in that with the extra opportunities like we're talking 100 plus targets for this guy now when you're getting that much more volume do i expect it to stay at an astronomical 10 percent rate no but do i think he's going to probably lead the league or be amongst the leaders of the league in the touchdown rate category 100 percent i do gabriel davis by wide receiver 15 I think we could actually see Diggs and Davis finish inside the top 10. I think that's a real possibility. I love Gabriel Davis this year. I think I think he's ready to emerge. I think he's the next receiver to do that. Yeah, he absolutely has a chance to do so. Definitely a physical specimen. You know, the guy's built like A.J. Brown, basically. Still that red zone target. He's absolutely a monster in there. Has a chance to kind of, you know, solidify that second tier, second, you know, position on the offense. We had different names go through Cole Beasley, Manuel Sanders, they kept trying different guys, so hopefully it's Gabe Davis is finally a shot. As alluded to before, I think you know Buffalo's going to continue to kind of move away from using Josh Allen so much in the passing running attack, using him more in you know, throwing the ball. So Gabe Davis is going to definitely be a beneficiary of that as well. So, yeah, he definitely has a chance to kind of boom. My only concern for him is I think the hype is a little too much for me where I kind of got to see that, you know, where his ADP is I think is fair, where you're talking about how taking him I think is fair, but I think there's a lot of people, you know, are so big on Gabe Davis, they're, they're reaching for him. So just be careful not reaching too much for the guy. I will say I've consistently seen him going somewhere in that fifth-ish round, and I think that's completely fine, and he's got tremendous upside from there. Another one of the guys I want to highlight, I'm going to go back up to the top of the chart on that tier, that mid-tier there. I'm going to talk about Cortland Sutton. His ADP is at wide receiver 20, and I just think it's really funny. Early in this process, like we're talking like springtime now, 
I, I'm not going to say I was the only one, but I was one of the few who had Cortland Sutton ahead of Jerry Judy. Now it feels like everybody has Cortland Sutton ahead of Jerry Judy. It seems to be going in that direction. <laughs> I think Chris's face is frozen again. No, we got him back. We got him back. Okay, we're okay. Uh, so he, I have him as a top 12 receiver. Now he, he bottoms out that wide receiver one, that you know low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. I got him right there at wide receiver 12. I think him, though, and I, I don't have Judy on my list, but I want to give him an honorable mention here. I think both these guys have an opportunity to finish as wide receiver ones or as top 15 receivers. I mean, look, like I said earlier with Russell Wilson, throw out last year, 2020, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett both finished inside the top 10. There's room for both these guys to eat. They're both tremendously talented. Corlin Sutton, that year, DK Metcalf ranked out ahead of Tyler Lockett. Corlin Sutton just has more of that build, and I'll keep going back to this. He's not the physical specimen of a DK Metcalf. Hardly anybody is, but he is a better receiver. He's a better route runner, and I think that's going to pay dividends when you're talking about a guy like Russell Wilson. So Corlin Sutton going as the ADP wide receiver 20 right now. I see him going in the fourth round in quite a few drafts that I've been in. I do think he has wide receiver one potential, so I want to highlight him too. Yeah, I, I love absolutely love Cortland Sutton. I think this is a guy that you've heard all offseason about him and Russell Wilson's connection. Russell Wilson, especially when they go up tempo, looks for Cortland Sutton consistently. Also looks from the red zone. You know, Russell Wilson has a history of looking for tall guys in the red zone, so Cortland Sutton will be a beneficiary of that. And as you alluded to, this isn't a one-trick pony. You know, DK Metcalf wasn't necessarily a one-trick pony either, but he's more of a, a go guy, more of a you know jump ball guy, more of a physical user receiver. While Cortland Sutton has more of the nuances. He can get open. He can use his body well. He can line up in the slot. He can line up on the outside. You can move this guy around. So a lot of things I'm hearing, you know, that were kind of favored Devontae Adams and Green Bay. I'm hearing similar things about how using Cortland Sutton. So I, I like the upside. I like you know, the guy that can definitely be somebody who just kind of come, you know, off a, a bad year last year and boom right back into the fantasy scene. And look, with Tim Patrick out of the way, that, that makes a huge difference because now you're going to consolidate that work primarily around a Cortland Sutton and a Jerry Judy. Uh, the last guy I want to highlight in that mid-tier is Chris Godwin, because I just think people are kind of forgetting about him a little bit, and that shows his ADP. His ADP is wide receiver 27. He's going to be available week one. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that I think Chris Godwin is going to be 100% full go, get his full workload week one. But if he's going to be active week one, I think it won't be that long before he's back to being Chris Godwin. And again, I lean on medical professionals here. Everyone I've talked to seems to think that Chris Godwin will at some point this season be 100% healthy, and it seems to be sooner rather than later. They have played it smart with him. They've progressed him along slowly. He's taken off as a result. There has been no negative reports on Chris Godwin whatsoever. And I think at wide receiver 27, I got him ranked at wide receiver 20, and I think that's just a reflection of where you should draft him at. You talk about a guy that by the season's end, again, has top 12 potential, top 15 potential at the very least. So it's got with somebody I want to make sure you guys are just not sleeping on. Yeah, well, I, I love Godwin, and you talked about, I actually think, you know, I'd have him higher on my list, actually, because as you alluded to, when this guy's out there, this guy's definitely a top 20 receiver, definitely not a top 15, you're, you know, because the consistency, one of the guys is going to be fed in this offense no matter what, he has that connection with um, Tom Brady, Maybe a little concerned about him not always having a slot, you know, receiver for just himself like he had had the last couple of years. But overall, they did pay the man. They're going to utilize him. And this is an offense that's going to, you know, throw the ball over the place. So Chris Godwin has a lot of value. The one guy I wanted to kind of point out in that grouping, and I, I just want to think your thoughts, Dan, is Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman at ADP 11, 
I think 80, you know, for myself personally, I'd have him on the bottom of that list of guys that you have in your mid-tier because I think he has probably the lowest value well, yeah. towards the end. And I think that's where the guy that I mean, people are really drinking the Kool-Aid. This guy basically had the receiver room to himself last year. Had it over a little bit over a thousand yards and scored six touchdowns. I know Matt Ryan in everybody's eyes is way better than Carson Wentz. I, I talked about, you know, they're a little more pass happy than they were last year. Having said that, you talk about Naheem Hines being more involved. They have Paris Campbell back. They added Alec Pierce in the draft. There's actually other guys to be involved in this passing attack where last year it was Michael Pittman and what? So I am very curious to see this giant leap that he's supposed to make, how it's really going to materialize, because 1,000 yards, six touchdowns is an ADP 11 in my book. Well, I mean, look, first I'll address the, the other weapons. I, I'm a big fan of Alec Pierce, but he does have to prove it. Paris Campbell is healthy for now. We'll see how long that lasts. And, and that's the situation I think, I think arguably speaking, could go either way. But let's just put that aside for a second. Isaac Pittman is what he is, like is what he is in the sense of what he's been the last two years, which is a guy that's going to hover around the top 15 area. But I don't think he quite has the potential this season because they switched to Matt Ryan to be the top 12 guy. And that's because of the touchdown issues. Like, Michael Pittman, he'll act as a big slot. Ryan will definitely, you know, get the ball to him between the 20s all day, every day. He'll, he'll have a safe floor every single week, and that's why he's in that mid-tier. But I'm with you. I don't think he has the touchdown upside given Matt Ryan's inefficiencies to get the wide receiver won the ball in that area of the field. And Pittman not being a big touchdown guy to this point, you know, whether it was Phillip Rivers or Carson Wentz to begin with. So that's why I have him lower on that tier. I don't think he has as much upside as some of those other guys, but... Does he arguably have one of the safer floors of that group? Yeah, probably does. So, But I do have him on the lower end of the tier, to your point. Uh, I, I do want to talk about the sleeper tier of the wide receivers real quick. And you'll see a trend. Out of the six guys I have in that sleeper tier, four of them are rookies. And that just seems to be where the NFL is going, where you take shots on these rookie wide receivers. It, a couple of them seem to pan out. And I have guys in that range like Jalen Tolbert, who I've talked about a lot. KJ Osborne, Jahan Dotson, who who hasn't been talked about a lot on this show, but has been talked about a lot in the industry, and he's going to be playing ahead of Curtis Samuel, so you see the pathway there. We've talked about Devontae Parker quite a bit and what his role could be as number one receiver in the Patriots, and that has some upside that comes with it. He should at least be rostered. Chris Olave, we've all talked about how, you know, with him, if Michael Thomas goes down from injury, which we all know has a pretty decent chance of happening, what his ceiling could be. And even without that, I don't, I think Jarvis Landry might be two seconds away from being toast McGoats himself. So I, Chris Olave is a nice factor. And then of course, Sky Moore, because all the chief situation going on, we've a lot of people have talked about him as well. The guy that I want to highlight out of that group for right now is KJ Osborne. Cause no one's talked about KJ Osborne. We haven't talked about KJ Osborne. Nobody in the industry is talking about KJ Osborne. So I do want to highlight him today in that sleeper territory. And I just want to remind everybody, this guy had seven touchdowns last season. Now, I know he had his big games when he was filling in for Adam Thielen, but that's kind of the thing with Adam Thielen right now. The last couple of years, he's gotten nicked up, especially in the lower body injury area. He's only getting older. That's still it's a pretty decent possibility it could happen again this season. But even if it doesn't, talk about Kevin O'Connell, talk about bringing over the Sean McVay offense, it features three pass catchers. And to stay on brand here, 
I'm not a big believer in Irv Smith having the breakout because I have KJ Osborne right now as a big breakout. And like I said before, my, my, my rankings haven't completely updated yet. So this might get tweaked a little bit, but for right now, if you, if you look up KJ Osborne, you actually look up his name on fantasy pros right now, they'll give you where his ECR average rank is his low rank. And they'll give you his high rank, his high ranks at 48. That's me. That, that, that's me. <laughs> that's, that, that's where I have KJ Osborne. That's where I have this high rank at. This is a good player. I think he's, more talented than Van Jefferson, at least with the explosiveness part of the ball. And Van Jefferson is somebody that everyone had to pay attention to in fantasy football because the volume was there. I think the same thing is going to be there for KJ Osborne as the third receiver who has more upside because we have Adam Thielen getting older. We don't know if he can stay healthy. So, uh, Chris, I mean, what do you think about KJ Osborne having potentially a nice little breakout season? Yeah, I mean, you talked about the industry definitely being big on KJ Osborne, but the people who are big on KJ Osborne is the reporters around the Viking teams. They were talking about him off season about how he's been shining, how they've been doing a lot of three receiver sets. That's kind of going to be their base personnel for the most part moving forward. You're not going to have to necessarily pick between him and Adam Thielen. And I think as a result, it's going to be kind of exciting because you talk about the Rams offense is coming over. This offense is going to be able to move multiple guys in and out of the slot. And that's one of the things that's key with why different guys can get be involved and get fed in that offense is because it's not just one guy who's always in the slot and other guys kind of always moving around them. It's multiple guys can be in the slot. You're going to see Thielen in the slot sometimes. You're going to see Jefferson in the slot. And you're going to see K.J. Osborne in the slot. And then you're going to have these guys who can kind of move around. You talk about K.J. Osborne you know, replacing Thielen last year in the outside. So that shows you the versatility that he can kind of hit you with. And that's how guys get open. So that's why I, had, you know, I talked about Kirk Cousins being possibly a steal. This, this Viking passing attack should be real. And overall, as you pointed out before, this division definitely doesn't have a great secondary, particularly in the side on the slot receivers for a KJ Osborne matchup. So yeah, I think he has got a sneaky guy that you can have out on your team, especially in your know, half point and full point PPR leagues. Uh, we get a question coming in. I just want to address it real quickly. Texans football. Thank you for tuning into the show. First and foremost, uh, Brandon cooks didn't talk about Brandon cooks. Cause he's just outside that mid tier for me, but he is a wide receiver too. I actually have him at wide receiver 20 on the dot. So I don't have him quite in the same categories as other guys because other guys on that list, I think, have the upside to be low end wide receiver ones at the least. And that's kind of why they made the list. But with Brandon Cooks, very solid wide receiver, too. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I'm we're total agreement then with KJ Osborne, potential breakout. And I want to throw the graphic back up again. If you're not and if you're not watching this, look, he is ADP wide receiver 78. So of that sleeper tier group. He's going far lower than all of that. He's going to be available for you. He's that guy who's available for you in like your last round of 12-man, 16-round drafts right now. Like That's where KJ Osborne's at. Trust me, take him there. You're not going to regret it. You might have the steal of the year possibly on your hands, especially at that well, kind of value. Real quick, you, know, you talked about we're not going to have our waiver wire show next week because this is going to be one of the guys probably the following week everybody's going to be scrambling to get off the waiver wire when he has a good week oh, one. Oh, yeah. And everyone's like, get good shot hands on KJ Osborne. So that's why Dan's trying to give you advice. Get ahead of that curve before Look, you're scrambling around trying to get these. I'm going to tell you right now, these, these guys that I have on these, these sleeper tiers for like all the positions. Yeah, I'm just copy and pasting it because that's exactly what my waiver wire is going to be probably heading into week two. I, I can almost guarantee you that. Um, we're up against it. Let's go rapid fire on the tight ends. We just talked about the tight ends last week. So there's not going to be as much for us to cover anyway. Top tier. Obviously, I got Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts. The only guy I wanted to highlight there was Travis Kelsey. Everybody talked about having him as a first-round pick last year, and to some degree, he got burned on that because Mark Andrews wanted to be in the tight end one. But of all the years that you could do it, I think it actually would be this year. I'm still trepid I still have a trepidation to, to take a tight end round one. 
but Travis Kelsey is going to be the wide receiver. We're talking all these wide receivers in Kansas City. He is the wide receiver one in Kansas City. There's no question about it. So I like Travis Kelsey there. I don't know if you have, do you disagree with that statement yeah, at all? Uh, yeah, no. The down year, quote unquote, last year, I think he still finished receiver nine in half point PPR. So if he played receiver. So yeah, yeah. not bad for a tight end. Yeah. And then the second tier is where we have, you know, Schultz, who we've talked about a lot. Uh, we have George Kittle, Darren Waller. I just wanted to mention the news. I kind of mentioned it earlier in the show. Waller looking like that hamstring injury wasn't such a big deal after all. He switched agents. He doesn't quite have the contract extension done. It sounds like it's going to get done. And he's all of a sudden been back at practice and practicing in full. So he's going to be fine. And it was a little wink, wink, hold in there. Uh, let's talk about the mid-tier. Because th- this is where I want to talk a little bit more about the, the tight end draft strategy. We'll take a couple minutes to do that. So the, we have the top tier. We have the second tier. This year, more so than any other year I could remember, I want to make sure, I want to at least try to make an effort to get somebody within those top two tiers, within that top six of tight ends. And tight ends usually a position for me that I punt at. I usually punt at quarterback, and I usually punt at tight end because I usually have a couple guys in mind that I want to take shots on the double-digit rounds because I just want to load up at running back and wide receiver. This year's going to change for me a little bit at the tight end position because there's a drastic drop-off in my mind from those top six guys, and then when you get to the mid-tier guys, TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard, and Zach Ertz. And by the way, those mid-tier guys, that's like my absolute cutoff. Like I don't want to go past those guys at all. If I am in the eighth or ninth round and I haven't taken a tight end yet and somebody takes one guy from that group of three I just mentioned of Hawkinson, Goddard, and Zach Ertz. Best believe my next pick is going to be one of those two guys that's still remaining on the board. So I kind of just want to talk a little bit about strategy there. I don't know, Chris, where are you at with that when it comes to the tight ends in general? I agree with the top six. Um, I might not, or I might not be as strong after that where I think there is definitely value throughout that. I like some of the later round value. So I'm not necessarily going to, you know, reach at a tight end. I'm, I'm not as huge on Hawkinson. We've talked about that before. I think Pat Vermouth is a safe guy that you can have. So I'm not, you know, for me, I'm not panicking until Pat Vermouth is off the bent, off the board. Um, but I do think that, you know, those top six guys are definitely guys that I'm more valuing this year than probably typical past years, especially the top four. So I, well, I have a little bit different top four than you do. But I did, the top four for me is where I have my giant drop off. Where the other guys, I question the consistency, I question your usage. Those first four guys, you're going to feel good week in, week out having them in your lineup, And you're going to have, probably have the advantage most weeks. Uh, you mentioned Free Freemuth is the guy that I wanted to mention. I have him in the sleeper tier. He's not like a super sleeper tight end for me, but I do have him at tight end 10 and his ADP is at tight end 12. And if it's tight, if he's at tight end 12, it usually means we're probably talking, you know, round 10, 11, we're probably talking almost double digit rounds for a Pat Freemuth at that point. He, you kind of said it right. Like he is like, once he goes off, that's like the last, like last emergency pull. For me, Pat Furman is that last emergency pull where, like, I'm making sure I at least get him. But I think there's a lot of people who are worried about the quarterback situation. I'm not. Rookie tight ends don't typically go off. He doesn't have Eric Ebron to worry about anymore to slow down his start at the beginning of the season. I think he's still going to be the main one of the main red zone threats. He proved that he can be on the field at all times. They're going to need him on the field at all times for different reasons. So, yeah, Pat Furman. He's my top 10 tight end. He's going as tight end 12. He's he's my last emergency pull. That's that's what I'm going to say. Last emergency pull at the tight end position if you're going to wait to that point. So I did want to highlight Pat Freemuth. But 
I want to close out the show there because we're, we're, we're over time now. But next week, back in-season content, starting on Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern, we're going to be talking about the first half of the Week 1 preview, the first eight games of the Week 1 preview. Then we're back on Thursday to talk about the second half, obviously the other eight games of Week 1 preview. And then we'll be back on Friday. Haven't figured out who our guest is going to be for the sports betting segment, but we'll be back on Friday with our DFS picks and our bets for the week. Guys, the season's here. It's next week. So everybody, stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Download us on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on social media because we'll have a lot of player news notifications coming out from the rest of the season uh, at Belly Up MDFF Show. So we'll see you then next week. <laughs> can't, can't, I just, uh, I can't wait. We'll see you then. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.